0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Movies. My name is Daniel Berrios, and today I'm continuing my coverage of this year's Best Picture nominees at the Oscars with Ruben Oslund's Triangle of Sadness. So, is this runway casting for a grumpy brand or a smiley brand? So it's a grumpy brand, yeah. Congratulations! Show me that Balenciaga look. Suddenly, I'm dressed in something way less expensive. It's H&M, yay! Balenciaga, and H&M, Balenciaga, and H&M. It looks paid for the tickets. Not bad, huh? (laughs) So what do you do? I sell shit. The success of a luxury cruise mainly depends on you. I don't want to hear anybody saying no. Yes, sir! Yes, ma'am! I command you, enjoy the moment. No. No? No. <laughs> what? You say no to me? No, no. Oh, so it's yes. It, yeah, no. Yes? Go in! Yes! <laughs> the sails. Do you think it's possible to wash them? I think that's possible, ma'am, because this is a motorized vessel. Yeah. So we don't have any sails. It will sails. Yes. Well, then, in that case, we will clean the sails. Yes. Of course. Yes. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's to love. That no. No. Too oh, no. A Russian capitalist. And an American <laughs> communist. On oh. a $250 million luxury. yacht. Going under. Triangle of Sadness is a black comedy. A satire against the uber wealthy. This is not even your $100,000 a year earners. This isn't even your business owners. This isn't even the CEOs. These are the people that are so filthy motherfucking rich that they've lost count That they don't know what to do with the money. They just know that like a virus, like a fungus that just spreads, that all it knows is how to replicate and duplicate, the money just does not stop growing. These are the people that you don't read about on magazines. These are the people that if you want to think that there's an Illuminati, these people would probably be part of it. That's how stupid fucking rich these folks are. And they all decide to go on a luxury cruise. And we follow a couple different folks on this cruise. There's an Instagram influencer couple named Carl and Yaya. Carl being played by Harris Dickinson and Yaya being played by Charles B. Dean. There's this uh, self-proclaimed Russian capitalist, king of selling shit, as he says, because he owns a manure company. And, again, this is the kind of stupid rich that you have to think of. These are the people that supply the most basic, mundane things that everybody uses. It's like being a king of fucking pencils. It's like being an agriculture conglomeracy. Like, everybody has food if you own the supplies of water. If you own fertilizer... Everybody uses fertilizer, so you're going to be stupid, filthy, fucking rich. That guy, uh, self-proclaimed Russian capitalist, Dmitry, played by Zlatko Bjoric, And you follow the captain of the ship, the reclusive, probably suicidal, if I'm looking into it, but mostly alcoholic, uh, captain, played by Woody Harrelson, and the customer service manager, Paula, played by Vicky Berlin, and who's trying to just keep everybody, you know, happy. And it's very much that episode of SpongeBob where they're running a hotel and Mr. Krabs goes, we shall never deny a guest even the most ridiculous request. I'm sorry, my Mr. Krabs sounds like Yoda, but I haven't really practiced it. And uh, all these people including a couple of the guests like this lady who's uh, obsessed with the cleanliness of the ship and another person who is kind of a sad sack and really just wants some attention or really some friends if i'm being honest Uh, all of these people meet on this ship they have their you know misfortunes and they have their silly conversations about being uber wealthy and class and status and We're following the people who work on the ship. The lady who is uh, in charge of the cleaning crew, played by Dolly de Leon, uh, Abigail. She's working on this. And then the ship gets completely trashed, and they all end up on an island together. So now you've got this stratification of class, this hierarchy, this understanding of the common status quo completely upsheveled disheveled, or upheavaled? Upheaved? There's a word in there somewhere that I can't find. All of that is thrown out the fucking window, and now this movie presents the opportunity for new hierarchies to be established, a new class, a new way of being, questioning the things that we value, questioning the psychology of people's understanding of class, and how something catastrophic like a ship crashing on an island can completely shift one's mindset in a flash or can it you know are the things that have been ingrained in us for years so entrenched that even when put on a situation where essentially you've blanked out and gone to zero you know your billions of dollars are non-accessible you're not going to be able to you know build a fire using your investment properties like hell your dividends aren't going to show up in a fucking suitcase full of cash flying out of the sky so what happens then a lot of these questions are answered i would say in a way that isn't necessarily new nor original but still as the adverts say wickedly funny I found myself laughing a lot at just the silliness of the dynamics between these people, and I found myself uh, giggling at uh, some of the ways that whenever the system does change, you would expect something like a Lord of the Flies scenario to establish. Where people are like going crazy and trying to kill each other, and somebody would throw the quote-unquote piggy off of the cliff and bash their heads into a rock, you know that kind of stuff. But what I also loved about the sequences on the island is the way that Ausland, who I believe is writer on this, if I'm correct, this isn't just nominated for best picture; it's also nominated for best director. I think he's best director on this. And also uh, original screenplay. Let me double check while I talk to y'all. And I like the way the screenplay kind of just flips this idea on its head. And because these are different characters, especially with Abigail's presence in the third, third of the movie, or the third part, the movie is split into three parts, you know, before the ship, the ship, and then on the island. I'm trying to find... Good Lord, I wish IMDb... Ah, there we go. Nominated for three Oscars, including Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Screenplay. Okay, yeah. So the way the screenplay plays out ultimately depends on the way the characters are going to play out. And knowing that Dolly De Leon, who really only isn't featured in the movie until that island bit... And she sort of takes over because of her skills and because, you know, she's the only person who knows, like, how to hunt or how to build a fire. Her status just skyrockets. And I like that choice of not really presenting her as a character. You know, she's maybe in the background, maybe she's leading a crew and trying to get them all to clean up a mess that happens earlier in the movie but it's only like a handful of seconds you see her and lord knows she doesn't really get a name until this last third so i like the way that the movie kind of puts her in the background to really further you know entrench the hierarchy of status on this scenario on this society only to completely chinese fire drill it and flip it all over topsy turvy and shit and the way that De Leon manages it, I like. I like the way that she handles punishment for people doing fucked up, selfish shit. I like the way that she delegates. I like the way that she's. Uh, you can see her making strategic moves in a way that sounds nurturing, that feels motherly. You know, there's one point where I think Yaya's like, "Wow, you as you somehow pulled off a total fucking matriarchy." And she does, and I've never really seen that in a movie. I haven't seen a crash landing, you know, like, I've watched stuff like Lost, I've watched stuff like Castaway, but I've never really seen an island movie where a full-blown matriarchy takes place, and after a while of this kind of leadership, the movie takes on a more chill vibe. It's, you know... You would expect a part of this movie to be people freaking out and being not able to adjust to their new lives on this island. And yet when you get to this point in the movie, it kind of becomes a hangout film and people of all different classes and all backgrounds and whatnot, they start kind of intermingling with each other and there really isn't that sort of overblown and cliched sequence of somebody flipping shit because they suddenly want to take over power or they... Suddenly, one like they can't stand this life and they're gonna go off into the woods to get hurt or whatever. No, everybody just kind of settles into these roles, and it's interesting to see. It's kind of like when people talk about like beating up the toughest guy in prison or like establishing yourself in prison so you can be kind of head dog in this new scenario that kind of shuffling of dynamics without the expected violence and without the sort of expected big conflict that we get out of this is fascinating to me. I Just a new way to approach things. So I'm going to stop talking about The Island for a little bit and let me lean all the way back into Carl and Yaya because I think this opening section of the movie is the secretly most important. The movie opens with the way the trailer opens, which this casting director... There's a bunch of people auditioning for a role in a fashion show. And they're talking about, you know, what, what is it like for you to be a male model? What is the career path Do your fathers approve? Show me a grumpy brand like Balenciaga and show me a smiley brand like H&M. The grumpy brand means that when you market this, you're marketing that you're looking down on your customer. You're looking – a consumer, it's not even a customer – At least with customers, there's service. Consumers is that you're just going to spend the money and take it, you know? It's this very – even discussing about it in consumer ways is so much of this, like, I feed you and you just sort of get gluttonous with it, you know? There's this feeling less of a relationship and more of a transaction, So you're looking down on your consumer. It's like, oh, I am selling luxury. I am selling class and status. I'm not selling a bag. I'm not selling a a dress. I'm selling the idea. And then you flip it to a smiley brand like H&M which is marketing itself on, everybody's body is loved, and everyone is equal, and we love the planet, hashtag- and putting hashtags in there. It's one of the funniest bits of the movie, and it is so blatant, but when you really think about it in the most blatant of terms, it, we still shop at these places. We still ascribe status to these brands, regardless of the fact that we know the game. And I don't know if we're just too scared to break out of it or not give a fuck about this kind of luxury brand. I don't know why we ascribe, a good chunk of us subscribe so much meaning to having a Louis bag or to having a Cartier bracelet. You know, that kind of thing. When ultimately, you know, when it's all said and done, it is factually, it is literally just a bag a dress it has its function but that luxury that status that psychology behind all of this is so important that it dictates behavior that shouldn't be dictated in that manner it should be dictated rationally and yet we are an irrational species so when you're looking at Carlin Yaya as a relationship she is a super famous Instagram influencer and he's a kind of low to mid-level model. Like, he's booked some stuff, and it looks like it would show up in a fucking magazine that you'd see at the grocery store. But um, he's not, like, a name yet. And the way they have this initial argument in the beginning of the movie about money sitting at dinner showcases the psychology of these characters to go. And what I really loved about this is I'm going to pause right now because my cat just puked off of the bed. And knowing my cat, he pukes twice. So uh, we're just going to pause for just a little bit. Yeah, leave it to the cat to throw up in the Triangle of Sadness review. How ironic. Uh, Seriously, if anybody knows, because my cat decides to, like, inhale his food like Kirby, and yet it comes out solid, like, barely digested. So it's really easy to clean up. Thank God he puked on a plastic bag. But if anybody has any tips on getting the cat to not, like, just put in the food in in his body and then just put it out the exact same way... Like, shit, I would be fine if it were at least, like, mushy. You know, that would show some sort of digestion. But no, it just comes in and comes out the same way. And it's kind of bugging the shit out of me. And and I have it elevated, by the way. I have his food bowl on a couple of books. So if anybody has any tips for that, just let me know on Twitter. At the movies underscore pod. But back to the show. Where the hell was I? Oh, yeah. Uh, there are these gender dynamics that are being played throughout the movie. And Carl, who's uh, Harris Dickinson, is playing it simultaneously like a fuckboy, boy, but also a soft boy. And maybe that's the dichotomy of his, like, he's really good when he's doing a grumpy brand. And then he's really sweet when he's doing a smiley brand. And it's one of the things I notice in the movie that people in their initial reactions like the first time you see somebody in this movie that phrase that people will tell you and they'll show you who they actually are is very true regardless of the situation regardless of what happens later on the yacht or what happens on the island the way I see Carl at the beginning is just this highly insecure dude that is always worried about I guess perception and he, you can totally tell that he just wants to kind of mooch off of other people, that he wants to be taken care of in a sense. And he's with somebody that does want to be taken care of too. And in a more way that, uh, this is the kind of person that is always talking about equality but doesn't want to put in the work. You know, he's talking about gender roles and how upsetting it is to him that women are treated sort of like the, a rung lower than he wants equality, but he's not willing to put up the work to do it. He's very much a person who wants to be mothered, but doesn't ever want to say that because in, you know, this society that values, this patriarchal society, like saying that is basically a death sentence for you. It's going to ensure that you do not get work. It's going to ensure, well, not that you don't get work, but it's going to ensure that you're going to, lose a lot of opportunities to the go-getters, to the high achievers, to the entrepreneurs, the people that make something of themselves. And Yaya is very much the new school, go with the flow. She is practicing a little bit more of that equality. She's super adaptable, which you can notice later on in the movie. But she is one that, while she is very much focused on her bag, she's giving me a lot of like Natalie Portman and closer vibes. Like, sure, there's manipulation going on. Sure, she is not really in it for love. Her relationship with Carl, it's very much, in her mind, a way for uh, Instagram to boost her stuff in the algorithm. But she's not upset about it. She's not crying about it. She just knows how to play the game. And that is admirable to me. I like characters that are self-aware about fucked-up shit. And she is self-aware about this fucked up shit. I also love when we see people like uh Dmitry, this Russian capitalist who is so ingrained and loves what he's been able to achieve through capitalism that he's quoting Reagan like people would quote like fucking Bob Dylan lyrics, <laughs> you know, like this guy really sees him as a visionary and watching him kind of have this verbal spat. Or this uh, back and forth with Woody Harrelson's Marxist captain. And they're both like reading quotes off of their phone, too. It's not like they're fully learned. It's not like they're academically inclined or really have studied deeply the texts and ideas of these two men. They're just kind of going off what they've read online, is and probably filtered through, uh, you know, an uber conservative or like an uber socialist lens because of the way social media sort of like puts things on extremes i like watching these two kind of combat each other and do so in kind of like a friendly drunken way they're doing this on the ship and just that way that uh the movie is able to take opposite people and kind of equalize them through something either as catastrophic as a ship crashing on an Island or something as like endearing as just getting drunk together. And when two good drunks get together, even if they're on opposite points of view, it leads to fascinating conversation and it leads to the kind of debate that you, they both have an idea where each of them is, the cons of their ideology fall to the wayside, but they're still kind of sticking on their side. They're meeting somewhere in the middle, and that's always fascinating for me to watch. And again, it's just these interactions between these people that are really selling it. I like the fact that Woody Harrelson is coming in. Excuse me, Christ. I might start puking too. God damn, that was a nasty group. But I like that Woody Harrelson is coming into this, you know, Production by, I think, a Swedish director. There's a lot of Europeans on this boat. And he is distinctly just playing Woody Harrelson. Like, he is the American. He's coming in with his own point of view. This sort of, like, quick-witted, brash personality that's sly and sarcastic for... These, and with a smile, too. So he's able to kind of navigate between high society. And he's been doing it for so long that I think internally he's exhausted of it. But outside, he's able to basically call these people stupid to their fucking face and get away with it. Super fucking funny to me. Just, I really do think the strength of this movie just lies in its ensemble cast. And it's not just people that are front build, too. I like the lady who... There's this one lady, Therese, who like has this brain uh, thing going down to where she doesn't speak that well, but she'll be uh, yelling this phrase in German, you know, in Indenwolken, in den which uh, translates now that I look into Google as uh, in the clouds. And it's this phrase that's going on and on, and I like the way that even though she is really only limited to Either saying or screaming this phrase, that the people around her start kind of understanding what she's saying. uh, Super kind of sweet lady. I don't know if she's like immobilized or if she's like unable to walk. Probably. I don't. I don't know. There's something going on with her that I can't really totally understand. But I like the way that they're able to introduce her as a character to this movie. There's a guy that comes in later. In the movie uh, and of course this is the kind of movie where one black dude shows up and already people think that he's like one of the pirates that were would be attacking their ship <laughs> so like all him pirate in the movie but uh, what's this guy's name let me find him real quick uh, Jean Christophe folly as Nelson I like he's the only black dude in the movie and on the island and just something about the way that he's able to kind of get along with everybody kind of warmed my heart to him there's a guy named uh jarmo played by enrique dorsen who i believe is the guy who is uh initially seen on the island on the yacht as sort of like this sad sack that he just kind of like sits by himself and Really, all he would ever want from somebody is just to take a selfie with them to feel included. And seeing these dynamics shift on the island, you find these people with particular character arcs or character needs that are ultimately met by being on the island. And so watching these people go through this in a new society and establish themselves in a new way and find the things that they necessarily didn't have when they were uber rich or put in this other system... It's heartwarming, and I guess it leads to sort of like the weirdly chill nature of the movie until like maybe the very last couple of minutes, which are super intense and pretty dark and funny and lead to sort of greater conversation, not like a thesis level conversation, but it's one of those like, oh, is it like better for things to be this way, or should we just kind of let the movie continue to play out beyond the credits? That kind of question, and it's one of those things that I find is just uh, the strength of this kind of movie, is just letting a bunch of great actors hang out, play, and discover things about themselves and their characters throughout the work. So I'm going to close out by talking about the big MVP of the movie, the one who people think should have gotten a supporting actress nomination. Dolly De Leon as Abigail. I think I talked a little bit about her before, that she's able to pull this sort of matriarchy on the island, but watching her, she is just, again, strategic. She's tender. She cares about people. Again, it kind of turns less into this sort of dictatorship, which it really should be because she has, in essence, the means of production. <laughs> like, she could totally turn this into a fascist society, But there is a kindness and a gentleness. It's sort of a parental relationship with everybody on the island. And it's one of those, like, beloved leader types. Like, if she were Kim Jong-un, she'd be pretty good. Like, suddenly North Korea would make sense to me. You know, I really like the way she's able to kind of rally people around on this island. And that strategy and that that disguises and a broken woman who really just wanted an opportunity to be seen and to shine and to excel at who she is. And so one of the big uh, difficulties of this movie is, like, how is she going to keep this up? You know, does she want to – you know, at a certain point, I guess that's interesting, too, why the movie then doesn't lean into a lot of people trying to build a boat or build a raft to try to escape the island – when she's able to kind of just rally them into this new life and keep everybody in line and also happy. It's an interesting skill that she's able to juggle, and it gives the movie a fresher flavor than this type of story would entail. But yeah, this lady, from the moment that she lands on the island to the very end in the movie, is the MVP. She's the person to watch. She's constantly shifting tone and shifting relationships and just there's so much to this character it is so fucking juicy of a character and Dolly De Leon plays it to an aplomb Uh, who would I swap out an actress for Jamie Lee Curtis I probably would Uh, I could see myself swapping Angela Bassett for Dolly De Leon truthfully I don't think I'd put her above Stephanie Shu or Carrie Condon or even Hong Chau because I love both those act, all those actresses. But yeah, Dali De Leon did some solid fucking work in this, and I can't wait to see her because this is the kind of performance that because you're not nominated, everybody goes, "Damn, you really should be nominated." Fuck the Academy. I'm gonna put you in my next movie. I want to see Dali De Leon take over every movie to come out ever. Like, put her with fucking Bog Juno, put her with Paul Thomas Anderson, you know, give her to everybody. You know, give her to fucking Greta Gerwig, Celine Skiama, give her to everybody, D Rees, like everybody. Fuck it. Give Dolly De Leon work. And that's how I'm going to close out my conversation on Triangle of Sadness. Thank you very much for listening, friends. If you want to, please rate and review the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. The more ratings I get on Spotify, the closer I get to those ratings being shown. So it lets people know that if you like the show, that you like the show. On Apple Podcasts, if you review the show, I will read your review on the next episode. I look before every recording just to make sure that nobody's written a review since then. So please, write me. Let me know what you think of the show. If you want to follow me, please do so on Twitter at TheMovies underscore pod. I'm working on my Instagram. I'm trying, I'm doing like a couple silly candids, I'm working on kind of promoting my shit over there, I'm not great at it, but if you want to follow my journey, figuring out how Instagram works as an almost 30 year old man, you can do so at the movies underscore pod, I am also available on Letterboxd, links are in the description And it's for the closing song of the episode. I'm going to bring in a song that was in this movie that when it sung in this movie made me grin from cheek to cheek. It is New Noise by Refused. If you've seen The Bear, this also pops up in The Bear. And the fact that I'm getting a Refused resurgence is just chef's kiss. So until next time, my friends, you take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and I'll see you on the next episode. Bye.